Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Monday, April 20th, 420 edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. As always, guys, I really do hope you're well. It's uh, It's been over a month of this quarantine, and uh, it definitely doesn't get any easier. I'm sure a lot of you guys are going stir-crazy. Uh, like I said last week, what I recommend for fans to do is just go back on Fight Pass and watch as many UFC fights as you can, old UFC fights, old Pride fights, old strike force fights wbc all those old promotions that's, that's what i would do you know if you're if you're looking for something to do because uh i know that things are, are not easy these days and definitely the uh, the portum sets in for a lot of people so that's what my recommendation would be um personally i'm watching some some tv shows catching up on some shows that i haven't watched over the last uh probably 10 years since i've been doing this i've been so busy with mma that i missed out on a lot of other stuff so i'm doing that right now but uh yeah i'm, I'm staying safe still social distancing and hopefully you guys are as well um of course this segues nicely into my first point here because I want to talk about a few different things today, but I'm going to start with Dana White because Dana White held a coronavirus roundtable with the UFC fighters last week where they were basically given 25 minutes on a call with Dana to ask any question they had about the coronavirus. Uh, Emmy Junkie was able to get uh, some cliff notes. Donald King there was able to do that, and I want to just talk about them right now. So let's get right into them. First point is fighters don't have to fight if they don't feel safe. So that's definitely an olive branch, I guess, from Dana White in some ways to extend that to the fighters. But the problem is we all know that MMA fighters and UFC fighters, especially, they have to fight to get paid. So yes, you know, you have a fighter like Jacques Ray Souza, who's been vocal about the fact that he is frightened to fight. However, He's been booked for that UFC 249 and the new UFC 250 card because he needs money to pay off his house. So, yes, it's nice that Dana White's extended this to the fighters saying, hey, we're not going to penalize you guys if you're declining fights at this time, which makes sense because, I mean, it's a very dicey time right now. But at the same time, if you need money, if you got to pay your bills, you're going to take a fight if you're offered it. So it does sound nice, but at the same time, it doesn't help fighters that are struggling to pay their rent at the moment. Next point here, and I think I talked about this last week, Dana White's been uh, tasked with being part of Donald Trump's economic uh, recovery task force. So he'll be part of that group with Vince McMahon, Mark Cuban, Adam Silver, Roger Goodell, a bunch of like MMA, or excuse me, um, major league commissioners, like from all the big sports. So that's cool for Dana to be part of that. I mean, obviously we know Trump and Dana are pretty close. Dana's a pretty successful businessman. You can say what you want about the guy. He definitely knows how to run a company and, and make a profit. So it does make sense that Trump would ask him to do that. But uh, yeah, I know some fans have kind of, you know, taken this as a, a shot, use it as an opportunity to take a shot at Dana and, and take more shots at Trump. I know there's a lot going on in the States right now. Um, and uh, definitely this is not uh, the right time, I guess, for, for people t- taking shots. Hopefully these guys can help out the country uh, get back to normal because, um, it seems like Trump, from what I've heard, wants that the economy to start getting up again soon. So hopefully everything's okay for all my American listeners down there. I know it's not easy right now, guys, but uh, hopefully things do get better. And you know, if Dana's going to be part of this, hopefully it does help a lot. Next uh, point, future UFC locations are going to be kept a secret. This is not really a surprise because Dana White's been adamant this whole time. Like, I don't want to tell these media members. They're a bunch of creeps. Like, they're weenies, like they're wieners, whiners, whatever you call them. So, yeah, no surprise there. And we know what happened last time. Once that card leaked that was going to take place in uh, Tachi Palace, 
And Jeff Sherwood actually broke the news of that originally. Jeff Sherwood used to own Sherdog.com. He doesn't own there anymore. Um, but obviously a long time veteran in the sport. He has tons of ties to local community. I think he is actually from close by. So once he broke that news and once it got to the bigger media, like the New York Times, then things actually started to move in a negative direction for the UFC. I think up until that point, it seemed like that event was going to happen. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. All right, next up, meeting with Nevada's governor. Yeah. That's, uh, that's another point there. Uh, Dana White, obviously, he wants the fights to happen back in Vegas, as we all know. UFC Apex is a place where he wants to have some fights, so he obviously owns that building. Um, it does make sense that they would do fights there first because they don't have to have fans, obviously, and they can run their own production, but we'll see what happens. Fighters who had fights that were canceled will get first dibs at New Belt, so that does make sense as well. So fighters that were supposed to fight, like, uh, UFC London, Portland, UFC 249, these kind of cards that were just scrapped, they should get the first dibs at fights. That makes sense. But the problem with this is obviously it's going to push back the calendar for the rest of the year. So guys that were supposed to fight in, for instance, May, will probably have to fight in like July now, which means that fighters supposed to fight in July will probably have to fight in September. So it definitely screws things up. But the one thing that the UFC could do and what we're hearing obviously is that they might do like two or three events a week to catch up, which makes a lot of sense as well. Um, Dana White said in the round table, if fighters are struggling, please reach out to motion. I don't know what that's going to do. I mean, the, here's the one thing I'll say about this is, and I'm going to get to the other points in a second, but there's nothing here that says we're going to give you guys some money to get by. It doesn't say that ever. Like, so to me, like that's the one thing that fighters wanted to hear they wanted to hear hey we're gonna get some money from you guys and he hasn't said anything about that the only fight card that for sure paid the fighters at least their show money is the ufc london card that's the only one that was the one that was canceled on like severe short notice so i don't know like i mean the other fight cards i guess the ufc's trying to get those guys fights quickly but it doesn't seem like it's gonna happen anytime soon Someone asked if they would do catch weights. Dana White said probably not because the problem with catch weights and coordinate Dana is like the fights don't have as much meaning, which makes sense to me as well. But at the same time, the problem right now is fighters are having a hard time cutting weight because first off, their training camp is severely compromised. And second off, when fighters cut weight, they're more, their immune system is weakened. So they're more prone to catching something, which is scary for sure. And not only that, but the sauna facilities at the, wherever this event's going to be held, if there is an event, that's going to be compromised too. I mean, can you have multiple people in the sun at the same time? Probably not, right? So how's that going to work? There's a lot of um, moving parts here. But yeah, catchweights would have been somewhat of a solution, but at the same time, you know, the UFC, they just don't like catchweights. Like, I can't remember the last time they did it, like, on purpose. It's been a while, um, probably like 10 years, and they actually did catchweights at, like, the Rich Franklin Peter Belfort fight. I think that was at the Franklin weight of 195, if I'm not mistaken. Like, something like that. They don't really do that too often anymore. Um, just getting back to some other points here. Lack of tournament access could result in fighters making tough decisions. So, yeah, in that case, they'll probably only have to be able to bring like one person to their fight, which is definitely something else that fighters are not used to as well. Um, and again, it's going to be like the, a small limit of people in the facility. So that's something that's not a surprise, but it's going to be tough. Like if fighters are used to having two specific cornermen and they have to choose one, that's not easy at all. Uh, American fighters will be eligible to compete at Fight Island. That's pretty cool. And also Fight Island has been uh, trademarked or the training work's been in the, in motion, I guess. That's cool because we've heard that Americans would fight in the States and then international fighters would fight in the Fight Island. But obviously uh, Dana White says that uh, fight, American fighters can compete at Fight Island too, which is pretty cool if that happens. I mean, there's a lot of people thinking now that Dana White's just trolling. I don't know. Like It's hard to say, right? Like 
I'd like to think that he's being honest, but I mean, he's not usually the most honest guy about stuff like this. International fight week in July is very doubtful. That's probably not going to happen, which sucks. I know a lot of people are always looking to going forward to going to Vegas in July because it's always a big card. And I think this year, a lot of people were looking forward to seeing Masvidal Usman. That was going to be a good fight. Maybe John Jones would be in that card against Reyes or Blahovitz, and maybe Cormier would have fought Miocic again. That's not going to happen, at least in July. There could be an international fight week somewhere, but I just don't see how that makes sense. Like, they like doing it in Vegas. Why would they move it to, like, a small town somewhere? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. And even if they do it at the apex, the card, it doesn't make sense to do international fight week anymore because you can't have, like, an expo. You can't have people getting close together. Probably not anyways in July. Um, medical staff and hospitals will be ready for every event if the UFC comes back. Goal is for every uh, Saturday to have a UFC event, so that's not a surprise at all. I mean, we all know that's going to happen. And uh, something about meals here, UFC trifecta meals at the PI are on hold, but the issue will be fixed soon. So I guess fighters that were hoping to get some food are not going to be able to get some soon. So yeah, I mean, Dana White definitely gave an update. But again, the one thing I'm sure fighters were asking was about money, and there doesn't seem to be anything here that says we're going to pay fighters what they want, which is definitely, um, you know, scary. I mean, if you're, if you're struggling to pay rent right now and your job is to fight in UFC and there's no fights, like that's, that's not good. I look at other sports. I follow the other sports and like, for instance, um, MLB, they're going to pay like their players through May, I believe. Uh, same with the NBA. They're paying these guys for another month. They haven't played a game in, in over a month now. So they're still getting paid and they get paid a lot more money. Like again, bench warmers and those big major league sports are getting paid, you know, half a million, million dollars. Whereas UFC fighters, you're not making anything. And if you're at the bottom of the card making 10 and 10, you're really in trouble right now. Especially like, just say you're making 10 and 10. You're like a guy in the, the first fight of the night on a fight night card. And your second job is to be a trainer or something or, or a coach. You're not making any money right now. So it's, it's very, very tough. Breaking news. He doesn't like Dana White, obviously. Yeah, no fair, no, no worries, man. I mean, obviously, Dana White is, a, he's, as you say, a greedy billionaire. Which, which I wouldn't. I don't know if he's a billionaire, but the other guys are obviously billionaires. Um, definitely, he's a greedy guy. But again, you know, this is no surprise that Trump's going to have him on his little task force because they're very good friends, and we all know that. All right, uh, getting back to the fights here. UFC 249 obviously was canceled. But Tony Ferguson, the madman he is, continued to cut weight, and he made 155, posted a video about it. Uh, my friend James Lynch actually interviewed Tony, I think, after the weight cut. So I'm not sure if they interviewed him yet, but I'm going to check it out whenever I can, so you guys could too. Uh, yeah, I mean, the guy's a madman. He's crazy. And I know that he asked Gaethje to cut the weight too. Gaethje's like, no thanks. Like, it's, it's nuts. You know what, though? Like, I'll say this. It's, it is, like, kind of nuts, but at the same time, he wanted to, like, prepare his body for that weight cut. So he was already cutting the weight, and then he went, ended up doing it. So it, it does seem nuts, but he was going to cut the weight anyway. So he, he's probably like, you know, I might as well just get through this and do the test weight cut. It, it is still crazy for sure. He didn't get paid for that weight cut, which is obviously something that no fighter wants to do. But at the same time, it's part of his routine for that fight week. So I can see why he did it. It is nuts, don't get me wrong, but I can see why he did it. Switching gears here, uh, Paulo Costa did an interview with a Brazilian outlet, AG Fight, and he talked about brain damage in MMA, which actually is a really interesting interview. Uh, Paulo Costa was part of this like little panel of uh, a couple of Brazilian journalists and fighters, and he was asking about brain damage and basically said that you know it's a fact of the sport, and 
unfortunately, you know, we have to spar to prepare for our fights and we do take blows to the head. He basically said, you know, he's very careful in sparring. He tries not to get hit in the head, but he also said that he is worried about the future. He doesn't know what it's going to hold for his brain and other fighters' brains. And he said that he would be willing to donate his brain to research, obviously when he's dead. I don't think they can do it before that. Um, this is, this is good. I mean, we need guys like this to step up and say, Hey, you know, when my career is over, when I'm, when I'm not here anymore, when my life's over, I'm going to donate my brain for research, which is, it's just good to hear because you see a lot of like hockey players that have passed away. They've donated their brains for CT or the families have, and we've learned a lot about brain damage in those sports, for instance, and football as well. So this is actually pretty cool. The cost would say that we all love MMA guys. It's the, the best sport in the world. But the problem with the sport is it's so new that we don't know the effects of the damage these guys are taking down the road. A guy like Diego Sanchez, a guy like Chuck Liddell, what's he going to look like in 20 years? We don't know because the sport's so new. We can only guess, and we can only guess it's not going to look too good. So when these guys' careers are over and when they're in their older days and they pass away, it would be good for some of these guys and their families to donate their brains for research. And obviously Costa's already pledged that. He also said he's going to retire at age 36. So he wants to retire at a young age. And again, you got to respect that. You know, it's, it's crazy, right? I think he's 20 or 29 right now, but he realizes how much damage the sport takes and how it doesn't really favor older fighters. So I got to respect what he was saying. I know a lot of people don't like Paulo because he's a very brash guy. A lot of people think he takes steroids and everything, but uh, the guy definitely, He's not as dumb as he looks. I'll say that, you know, people call him a dummy because Adesanya said all those comments about him and stuff. The guy's not dumb. He's a pretty actually intelligent guy. I definitely urge you guys to check that out. I have it over at bjpen.com if you want to read some quotes from it. Anderson Silva, another Brazilian, uh, well, he's a Brazilian legend. I wouldn't say Costa's a legend, but anyways, a Brazilian fighter here, Anderson Silva, he says in a new interview with the UFC, he actually wanted to retire in 2012 before he fought Chris Weidman. So this was after the Stefan Bonner fight. And that was at UFC 153 in Brazil. At UFC 154 in Montreal, I was there for that fight. Carlos Condit fought GSP. GSP came back after an ACL tear. He beat Carlos Condit. In the crowd that night was Anderson Silva. And it seemed like they were going to set up a fight. They had him on the Jumbotron. Um, I think he did the whole like thing. The fight never happened. But I think that was his goal for that night, to get that fight with GSP. It never happened. Well, in a new interview, he says that he was planning on retiring. He told the UFC he didn't want to fight anymore. He said that he wanted to spend more time with his family. This was eight years ago, believe it or not. But the UFC, according to Anderson Silva, he says they they bribed him and bought him a Bentley, basically saying, hey, let's fight, fight one more time. We'll take care of you. So he decided to fight one more time. He fought Chris Weidman at UFC 162 in July 2013. He got knocked out. And the problem with this was he said he couldn't retire off a loss. He wanted to fight one more time to get a win and retire off a win. So he fought Chris Wyman again, broke his leg. And we know the story from then. I mean, this guy, I don't want to say he's tarnished his legacy in the last few years, but I mean, in many ways he has, because first off, he tested positive for PEDs. I mean, that that's always going to hurt someone's legacy. Before that, he had been like the poster boy of not being on PEDs. And he'd been the poster boy being like a smaller guy almost. Um, beating bigger guys like when he fought 205 against guys like Bonner. But since the Chris Weidman fight, the first one, he has won six and won no contest. The one win over Derek Brunson, he should have lost that fight. And then no contest against Nick Diaz. That was a win for him. So I guess we can count that as a win, but really should be one and seven. Because like that's not good, you know. So he's 
got the issue now that he doesn't want to retire off a loss, but he keeps losing. So it's a very dicey situation for Anderson Silva. He's also 45 now. The last time he fought, I was there for this fight. Last May, he fought Jerry Canyon. He broke his leg in that fight. I don't, or he didn't break his leg. I don't know what happened, but he, he got injured. He hasn't fought since. I don't know, guys. I, I don't know what to say about Anderson Silva. I mean, the guy, he definitely is one of the greatest fighters of all time. You know, this weekend there was a Michael Jordan documentary. A lot of people were asking, like, who's the Michael Jordan in May? A lot of people were saying Anderson Silva, for sure. But, I mean, I don't remember Michael Jordan had a stretch where he kept losing like this. I know he went to the Wizards at the end of his career, but his, his numbers were still good. But Anderson Silva, I mean, nothing's good about these results. They really aren't. I mean, he had a, he did have a few fight of the nights in there, so let's be fair there. And he's only lost to elite guys. But at the same time, he's losing a lot of fights. Had he retired after Stefan Bonner, he would have been 33-4. and four. Now he's 34-10 and won no contest. That's a big difference. Frank Mir, he has been released by Bellator, and he says he's returning, uh, considering a return to the commentary booth. Also, he's considering a return to fighting. So he mentioned, as far as fighting goes, he mentioned KSW. He said a fight against Marius Pujanowski is a fight that interests him. That would be a fun fight for sure for a guy like Frank Mir at this point. He's in his 40s. Puds is like in his 40s for sure. Two big guys. And I, I don't really know what their drug testing rules are. Let's be honest here. I, I have no idea. KSW is a great promotion, though. But, uh, you know, a guy like Pods has been accused of taking stuff his whole career. And obviously, Frank got caught, too. So, who knows what's going to happen if those guys fight in that promotion. But, uh, yeah, I mean, KSW is a good promotion. It's solid. So, if he wants to go there, fair enough. He also mentioned Ryzen as a possible promotion to go to. That would be interesting as well. But the, the thing that I found most interesting was he wants to return to commentary. And when this story came out, I was just reading the comments. I wanted to see what fans were saying. A lot of fans were like, this is good. Because... They were, they were like me, and they remember Frank Mir in the WEC. He was a fantastic commentator in the WEC. If you want, go back and watch those WEC fights where Frank commentated. He's great. He really is good. Um, very knowledgeable, well-spoken. He obviously has a podcast now with Richard Hunter. Richard Hunter was on the old Parting Shaw podcast with me and James years ago. Um, Richard is a, one of the better journalists, actually. He lives in Vegas. Him and Frank got their podcast, and uh, Frank – Breaks a lot of news there. So Frank's great, and he's great behind the mic. But he really is good at commentary. So a lot of the fans were like, yeah, this is great. Some were like, no, I don't want to see this Frank Mir commentary. I don't think these people have seen Frank Mir doing the WC fights. Like, he was really good. So this makes sense to me. I think you should come back to the UFC and do it. There was some political situation, I believe, like behind the scenes or something. Don't remember what happened, but Frank was not able to do the fights in the UFC. But uh, I think at this point, 10 years later, Come on, they got to bring him back. He's great. And he's so much better than a guy like Dominic Cruz. So much better, guys. Seriously. Frank Mir's one of the top guys. Right now, probably the top guy, I guess, is DC or Bisping. I think they're great. Felder's good. Not a fan of Cruz. I don't like his commentary style. I feel like his scorecards are always out of the play, uh, out of whack. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't agree with this commentary. Frank Mir, though, I think would be a welcome addition to the UFC broadcast team, personally. So hopefully they bring him back. If not, I think Bellator would be a good spot for him, too. If they want to have him in Bellator, um, obviously, Big John is their color commentator they have usually it's goldberg or, or morrow and then big john they could mix in frank mirror too so i think bellator is not out of the mix yet that'd be a good spot for him too but i personally selfishly i want to see him in the ufc because i actually do believe frank mirror is one of the better commentators in the sport i think it'd be great for the ufc to bring him back last thing here frankie edgar called out Aljamain sterling so these guys were supposed to fight at ufc 244 sterling had like wrist surgery and he's been out since then it's obviously april now so it's been almost six months that was in november um frankie edgar Still wants to fight Sterling. He still hasn't made his bandweight debut. He's supposed to fight Sterling, and then he's supposed to fight Corey Sanhagen in January. That fight didn't happen. 
Sanhagen never fought. Sanhagen hasn't fought in forever either. So I kind of feel bad for that guy. But yeah, Frankie wants to fight Sterling. Um, and then Sterling now responded and said he wants to fight two days. Basically said like, where and where? So if this is a fight that seems like it's going to happen. Uh, I'd like to see the fight. I think it does make a little bit of sense here. Frankie Edgar, he is an aging legend. And yes, he hasn't fought at Bantamweight yet. And I know Sterling's a top five guy. The problem with Sterling is, unfortunately, he's behind guys like Dominic Cruz and Jose Aldo right now. Even though he shouldn't be, because like you look at his resume lately, is so much better than those guys. But the UFC really wants to do this Henry's Hudo super fight with these legends. That's why you have guys like Cruz and Aldo in the title shot. So it leaves a guy like Sterling out of the mix. They have the Yan Marais fight booked right now. So those guys are kind of on the mix. Sanhagen's the only other guy that's out there really, like that's not booked for a fight. So they could do Sanhagen Sterling, which probably makes more sense based on the rankings. But this could be a good fight for Sterling because it'd be like that legendary name he needs on his resume. So I'd like to see this fight. I think it makes sense. Um, and Frankie, if he beats Sterling, you know, he could be in a spot like Jose Aldo or Cruz where he's getting a title shot at an older age just because. Cejudo wants to fight legends, and uh, Frankie definitely qualifies as a legend as a former UFC champ and a guy that was a lot smaller than his opponents when he was beating them at lightweight. So definitely curious to see what he looks like at 135. Hasn't made that debut yet, but it'd be definitely be interesting. Just seeing what other news I have out here. I should have mentioned that uh, over at MMA Rings on Net, I have a bunch of articles on matchmaking, so I've sent them all in. All the weight classes, I went through them all and gave like five or six matchups I like to be booked in each weight class and i didn't have to look at the current matchups because honestly they could all be scrapped at this point so definitely go and check those out if you guys want to see some matchups i like also at bjpen.com i did my uh, top five submissions from ufc 11 ufc 20 some great submissions there guys so definitely go check it out like i've been saying the whole time if you want to uh you know kill some time go back and watch the old ufc fights and learn some history about the sport because that, that's how the sport grew up you know back in the old dark ages and everything so definitely go back and look at that stuff and definitely check out my article there with some really cool videos i had guys like uh, tito ortiz randy couture mark kerr uh kazushi sakuraba jeremy horn chuck liddell like definitely check out the uh the article the videos wheelie Zhang finally headed back home to china she's been in vegas for over a month now. i think she's been there for like two months she's been staying with her team you gotta feel bad for me. She wants to go back and see her family. And here's the thing: like a lot of fighters, when they go back home, they get a hero's welcome. She was never given that after her last fight with Joanna, even though it was one of the greatest fights ever. So hopefully, she gets some sort of welcome. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, social distancing laws are—I'm sure they're crazy there. So uh, that probably is going to happen. But it is good that she's finally home. Sekudo and Volkanovski been going back and forth a little bit. That's a fight we could see in the future. I mean, Sekudo's got to defend his belt a few times, same with Volkanovski. But you know, these guys. Are definitely two of the most well-rounded guys right now. That would be an interesting fight, maybe like two years down the road, if they keep winning their fights. Um, definitely wouldn't completely write that off. Especially if Cejudo wants to make history and become the first three-division champion in UFC history. That'd be nuts. Um, what else? John Jones and Jan Blahovic, they've been going back and forth. <laughs> Blahovic said, I can't wait to fist you, which is obviously hilarious. We all know what that means. And uh he obviously did, he obviously didn't, or he did, and he just wanted to joke around. But yeah, these guys are going back and forth. I mean, Dominic Reyes is about there saying John Jones the UFC wants him to do a rematch, but I don't know. I mean, Blahovitz, he's a little bit older. He's, I think he's 37 now. This is probably the only time he'll ever get a title shot, so I feel like they have a good chance to give it to him instead, but we'll see what happens. Kevin Lee says he's torn his ACL. He doesn't know how long to be out for, but uh, we know that Kevin Lee already said he was considering retiring after the last fight of Oliveira. I don't think he's going to retire, but he'll definitely be out a little while. 
And uh, John Jones and Anthony Smith have been going back and forth still, I guess, setting up that future rematch between these two. But uh, there's other guys that Jones has to fight before Smith gets a rematch, considering how the first fight went. And I think that's about it, guys. There obviously isn't a bunch of other news out there right now. Um, there are odd, though, for UFC 250. So if you want to go and you know look ahead, definitely go there. I noticed just now, I'm just looking at best fight odds, they switched the events, the Smith to Sharon fight and Poirier Hooker. They just moved it to August. So they didn't take those lines down, but they just moved the fights. So that's interesting. But yeah, they do have UFC 250 scheduled for May 9th. Still, we don't know if it's going to happen, but it is what it is. Hopefully the card happens because I think all of us need this MMA back in our life at this point. But uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this coronavirus pandemic. The scary thing about this is, yeah, the first wave go down, but then there could be a second wave killing more people. So it's pretty nuts. Last comment here. Kinshira Rodoji, good to hear from you, man. Hope you're staying safe. John Jones got a tickle when Jan said he wanted to have a date to fist him. Yeah, I'm sure he did. That was pretty funny. Again, Jan probably didn't know what he said, but uh, it was pretty funny. And he also says, I think Fight Island's UFC fake news and also the COVID-19 death tolls are in faded flake news. Yeah, I don't know what that part, the second part, the Fight Island fake news, it's possible, man. I, who knows? I mean, Dana White could be pulling a leg, pulling all of our legs. So you don't know. Anyways, that's going to be it for today's show, guys. Once again, appreciate you guys tuning in, and I hope you guys are staying safe. Follow me on Twitter at MMAdamMartin, and as always, I'm available at MMAoddsbreaker.com, BJPen.com, and MMARatings.net. I'll be back Friday for the next edition of the podcast, guys. Until then, stay safe, keep washing your hands, social distance, and I'll see you very soon. Bye.